Dude, you're the best. I mean, like, you're one you're one of the coolest human beings I've ever met, to be honest. Aww, with you. Thank you. Can't confirm. Much I appreciate it. Aww. You guys are getting my my uh getting me all red in the cheeks here. All right, let's go. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Third way. We are back for another edition of the GOAT Zoom Room. Super excited to have everybody back. It's been couple of weeks since we've been able to have a show but we are back for another edition with a very special guest with whom Andy and I I believe go way way back with and also we are fast approaching on Derby and Oaks week it's coming up I'm on vacation right now I know Andy and kind of everybody else is this kind of the week where everybody kind of you know just takes it easy and then Starting next week, and then of course, Derby week is when things really get into the swing. You have the defections, you have the morning work. So, lots and lots to go on. I'm super excited to be joined by you, gentlemen. Joined, of course, as always, by my co host, Andy, and of course, our special guest today, Ryan Dickey. Guys, happy Derby three weeks, I guess. Um, <laughs> Happy Keeneland. Keeneland's been going on as well. So there's a lot to talk about, but Ryan, we're super excited to have you. So uh, welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be on the GOAT. So how, yeah. how, does, how does a human being go from being a firefighter right. to being an astute handicapper slash horse race rider, gambling rider? Well, uh, the... The road was long and winding, we'll say. Um, but I've been a horse racing fan since uh, I was in high school. My grandparents owned a bowling alley that was right down the street from Toledo Raceway Park. And uh, when I got off work on Fridays, I saw like a little traffic jam of people piling into the harness racetrack. And I was like, what is this all about? So I, I went in there when I was just a shade under 18. Um, you know, I was really living on the edge and I, I saw horse racing for the first time and uh, I, I fell in love with it. It's something that I've always had in the back of my mind I wanted to do. So when I became a firefighter and paramedic and all that, I, I wanted to do something with my free time. And basically I threw myself into horse racing to, to answer your question. So, do I, so, the, so anybody who doesn't know Ryan, uh, which I would find very, Shocking if not everybody knew Ryan, but he basically uh, was in Michigan and then moved down to Kentucky. Now he's in Las Vegas. But how how does somebody who's in Michigan play the races in Michigan without any racetracks, unless you're talking about Great Lake Downs and all that? <laughs> well, at the time, we still, you know, North, Northville Downs is still there. And uh, at the time, Hazel Park was there. In fact, my first, the first thoroughbred uh, racehorse that I owned raced at um, Hazel Park. His name was That Is So Right. He was a gelding. And <laughs> funny thing is, is you get what you pay for. And remember, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Basically, there was some issues going on in Texas racing at the time. And... Um, I think some of the owners and the trainers at Sam Houston were kind of wondering if there was going to be continued horse racing in Texas. So a lot of them tried to, you know, liquidate their barns. And basically I got a horse for free. 
they said, if you pay for the shipping, we'll, we'll send them to you for free. And I was like, hey, you can't beat that. <laughs> well, you can beat that. He never, never won a race for me. So got to be careful what you get. Be careful what you ask for. Uh, do you have uh, any cool? So one of the things that I always like to ask people that don't really do horse racing full time, do you get any of your or your former employees or not employees, but coworkers? your co-workers out there with you? Well, here's the fun part. I started Firehouse Racing Stables, LLC, back in the day because it was my goal to get some people into the horse racing industry that were firefighters because, you know, we have a lot of downtime. You know, we work 24-hour shifts three days a week, and every, every round that we're off, we have at least four days in a row off, and the money is pretty good, and everybody has a little side job. So I thought, hey, I'll, I'll do this uh, firehouse racing and try to get people interested in, in uh, owning some, ho some horses and it just never worked out. Um, I think a lot of the stories that I'm gonna tell you here over the next couple of minutes, uh, a lot of failure. There's a lot of failure. Nobody really has overnight success. And um, I've come to the conclusion that it's not always win or lose, it's win or learn. So I've, I've learned a lot over the, over the years. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I've, I've had since I left Michigan in 2018 between then and now is be careful who you trust. Um, I, by nature, I'm a very honest and trusting human being. I, I think that everybody is the same and I've come to find out uh, over the last four years that uh, not everybody, uh, especially in this business, is um, trustworthy, trustworthy and honest and, and somebody that you want to put your eggs in their basket. That's uh, very, very true to say the least and very indicative of some of the things that go on in this business, I would say for sure. And I think a lot of people have figured that out the hard way, but bringing it back to firehouse racing, what was the Philly's name that you had? It always slips my mind because I remember following her when you had her. And I was just curious to know if you heard about her recently, like is she a broodmare or have you lost track of her? No, it's actually a good story. Her name is Resonate. Um, That's right. I went to the Keeneland January sale to purchase a short yearling, you know, basically a, an, a, a two-year-old by name only, like basically when they have the um, January sale, they have horses of racing age and they have short yearlings, where, which are horses that are just now two, but they didn't sell at the yearling sales. My goal was to buy um, a short yearling and, and, and then put it into training and then race it as a two-year-old but it just didn't work out. Uh, my bloodstock agents, uh, Pete Dank and, and Carrie Thomas, they said, Hey, you know, no horse in this, in this catalog right here is going to fall in your, your, your price range, except for maybe one. And I was the underbidder on one Philly uh, who ended up having a decent career. I can't remember her name. Um, but they said, Hey, you know, we've looked at a bunch of horses here, this one right here, you can probably get for about 5,000, $6,000. Um, you could probably run her in $10,000, um, claiming races and, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a good stepping stone into getting into, to, you know, the bigger tracks I had run at, uh, Hazel park previously, and that was it. But I wanted so desperately to have a horse run at Keeneland. And they said, you know, she could probably run at Keeneland in one of the smaller, um, claiming races. So, lo and behold, we go to the auction and I get her, I, I win, I win the, the, the auction for, for $7,000. And I sent her to Tim Galeisha, who is, and always will be my trainer. 
Um, speaking of somebody that you can trust and somebody who's mm -hmm. honest, he's somebody that I will always trust with a horse, no matter what. I don't care if it's, you know, for some reason I, I get a $200,000 horse. Uh, I'll, I'll trust him with that horse. And if it's a 5,000 claimer, I'll trust him with that horse as well. But uh, Tim took her down to fairgrounds. She ran one race at fairgrounds, came fifth, and he entered her in uh, opening day race at Keeneland. And I believe that's where uh, uh, Andy and I first met. Is that correct? Uh, we met when you bought the Philly. When I, when I bought the Philly. So that was... Uh, Drinks that were was at flowing, the Caitlin. Drinks yeah. were flowing. Yeah. Was so excited. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I saw you at Keeneland. And it was at that... I know where that little bar... What was the name of that little bar there? Is it the Limestone Cafe or the Limestone Bar? It's the one on... It's the one, it's the one right next to the... Yeah, the Limestone. Yeah. Yeah, so we were there, and um, lo and behold, she ends up coming in second, and uh, we, we, we raced her again at the end of the meet. Uh, I was super excited that I finally had a horse that raced at Keeneland. She came in second. If some other horse in that race doesn't scratch and the AE doesn't get in, she would have been the winner, but of course it didn't happen. So I'm now 0-15 as, as an owner, fun, fun fact. But she got claimed in the last race. Uh, or in her last race with us at Keeneland and she went on and had a decent career she won a couple races and about a year and a half ago I was sitting at home minding my own business and I got a text message from somebody and she says hey I know you don't know me but did you used to own a horse named Resonate and I said yeah I used to own a horse named Resonate and she says well I just bought her and I'm bringing her home and I wanted to know a little bit about her I was like well, I'll tell you a lot about her so I sent her a lot of pictures and all that kind of fun stuff and she's not a broodmare at this time. Um, I think she's, a, a, you know, for, for pleasure, for, for riding. And I think eventually that she is going to be a broodmare. But uh, just out of the blue, someone sent me a text message. He's like, hey, I, I, I bought your old horse. Tell me about her. So she has, awesome. she, has a nice, she has a nice, she has a nice fun life right now. She has a couple of friends. I've seen some pictures and some videos of her and her paddock. And she's just a happy little thing. How old was she be now? Is she about seven? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that would be correct. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I better that first time at Keeneland. Yeah, me too. I too bad I didn't, didn't better to place, huh? I apologize. Well, <laughs> I can't say I can't say it was your can't say it was your fault totally, but I mean I, I will allow you to shoulder some of the blame. Thank you. Yeah, she she's yeah. eight. She was a uh, February February seventh, twenty fourteen. Okay. Um, by exchange rate out of Real American, who is a quiet American mare. See, I thought I thought you were there to. To purchase the only American Pharaoh, the catalog for the million dollars. <laughs> well, I, I I was a little short. Seven thousand got the job done, but it wouldn't have got the job done there. Fun fact: she was bred by um, Bertram Firestone, who is the same breeder and owner of Genuine Risk, who was the filly who won the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, he. Oh had, wow! I didn't know he bred her. Yeah, yeah. Bertram Bertram Firestone also had. Um, Oh, what's that horse? Jeez, uh, Paradise Creek. Yeah. Nice. nice and there was one other one, one that he uh, bred um, genuine risk to in the '90s. I can't remember his name. He ran in the Derby, oh. I think. Okay, so I lied. I lied right to you, to everybody. <laughs> they owned. They owned her. They didn't breed her. They they owned her. So she was their horse that they purchased. Um, She's actually a, a G. Watts Humphrey Jr. bred horse. Okay, so you bought her from the Firestones. I bought, bought no, I bought her from the Keeneland sale. 
She was okay, the but they had entered her in the. Cell. They had, yeah, yes, correct. Okay, they, they, were, they were, they were the concern. I think at the time they were trying to uh, liquidate a lot of their horses. That, that's that's absolutely. That's correct. right. That's right. So I, I I got her for seven grand, and she got claimed for twenty, which is good. But along the way, from the time I got her till the time she got claimed, she made about five fifty five hundred or maybe six thousand dollars. So she's one of those rare like instant successes. I mean. I lost the yeah. very first, the very first horse I ever owned was a, uh, was a pacer. I owned a, a pacing mare and she cost me $11,000. She got injured. And so I had to take care of her for like eight months after, after her racing career was over. So she cost me 11,000. And then the next horse I bought was, um, well, I didn't buy, I got for free was that is so right. Who raced at Hazel park. And he cost me about $7,000. So I was out 18 grand with my first two horses. And then I spent seven on her and, and she made him almost that back. And then I got her claim for 20. So when it's all said and done, uh, I'm pretty much a little bit in the black, a little bit as a whore, as a race owner, over 15, but I've made a little bit of money. You know, you can, you take what you can get at this point. So I know that you ended up moving down to Kentucky from Michigan. You retired a little while from the um, firehouse. You're, you've never gone back to firefighting, right? No, I'm done. I'm done with that. I was a EMT and a paramedic for 17 years. And uh, that, that's enough. I've, I've, I've seen enough. Yeah. I've done enough. Uh, there's, you know, I have zero interest in it. And, and the, the reason that I left Michigan is I was, I was getting burned out on being a firefighter and a paramedic and everything. And I really loved horse racing. And I, I just wanted to fully immerse myself in it. And, and everybody on Twitter was all excited and happy for me. Cause I'm like, all right, I'm making the move, blah, blah, blah. But what a lot of people don't know is um, that was plan B uh, plan a, I'm not going to name any names. And I, I hope I don't hear back from this, but um, I had a, a relationship with somebody. It was a long distance relationship and uh, we had made plans um, to do something in the horse racing industry. And I, I went through with my end of the bargain and that person didn't and things fell through and I had already gone through the, the motions of, of leaving uh, the fire department. And once I did that, there was really no going back. So moving to Kentucky ended up being plan B for me. And uh, then I had plan C, plan D, plan E and plan F. And the only one of those that was a positive, I'd say, well, there's two that were a positive. One was in the April meet of 2019, I worked at Keeneland. I worked, uh, I was a, a mutual teller, but I also worked in the, uh, the, the cash room, like at the end of the races, um, we would take all the cash and we'd count it and sort it and all that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed working at Keeneland. Um, but at night I was a uh, full patrol and night watchman at a, a thoroughbred farm. Um, and I helped bring 15 foals into the the world during that breeding season I really enjoyed that but there was no money in it but I would say that the time that I was in Kentucky when I worked at Horse Racing Nation that was pretty much as close to um, achieving my goal that I had of, of moving to Kentucky and working in horse racing full-time um, I enjoyed it but uh, you know that the economics and the timing of it of course I was there during the uh, pandemic and there was some right. um, you know some social strife we'll say there and it just wasn't great and uh things just didn't work out and I had to move back to Las Vegas this is my second stint in Las Vegas I had to move here with my tail between my legs and things are finally looking up you know finally 
I start a brand new job tomorrow and uh, I'm very excited about it. And uh, we'll talk about that at a later time, but uh, things are finally starting to look up, but uh, I miss Kentucky. Uh, I lived in Lexington for a while. I lived in Louisville for a while. I will say that I enjoyed living in Lexington way more than I enjoyed living in Louisville, but some of my friends um, from Twitter, from horse racing Twitter, um, they're, they're Louisville natives and I, I miss them really more than anything. Um, I wanted to get, so, you know, Caitlin loves doing full patrol, right? Like she's like, she's like a baby monitor for like every single broodmare in, in the world. I'm the horse racing fairy godmother. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I, I worked on a farm where, where we did that, where we like bred horses and, and all that. Uh, Grand Havista del Rio. So I did full patrol too. How cool is it to be a part of that? In 17 years of being an EMT and a paramedic, I, I was at about seven babies being born and I, I, I caught one myself. You, know, you say you caught one. Like I, in, in 17 years, I delivered one human baby. And in three and a half months or four months of working at a thoroughbred farm, I, I pulled 15 foals out of, of mares and it's, it's just amazing. It's, if I could do anything, like if I, if I won the lottery today and, and won a hundred million dollars, the very first thing I would do it, I would buy a farm in near Lexington. And I would say, this is now a nursery farm. And I would hang out with um, pregnant mares and, and baby foals all day long. Like literally that would be my favorite thing in the world to do. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's, it's the greatest, it's the greatest feeling. Yeah. It is. I, I always, uh, my wife always laughs at me because we'll go to the county fair, you know, or we'll go to like the Houston Livestock Rodeo and we'll be walking around and we get to the like the nursing, the nursery area where the where the where the cows are going to deliver or breach and all that. And I tell her, I'm like, oh, that one's going to give birth today. Oh, that one's going to give birth later on this week. And she's just like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, we'll come back next week and find out. We go back, and that's exactly the days that, that I said it's because I'd been around long enough to know what to look for for it. That <laughs> it's easy to yeah. understand it. The problem is, is that you got to stay up in the middle of the night because they never fall during the day. No, because uh, you know they're herd animals and uh, they're they're prey animals, so uh, they usually like to uh, give birth under the cover of darkness, which gives the you know, in your, in your case, the calves or in the horse's case, the foals gives them a little time to, to be able to stand and be able to walk. But, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're like a divining rod for, uh, for, for cow birth. That's pretty cool. I never knew that about you. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's part of that, you know, that whole deal with like horse, you know, being around the horses that, yeah. you know, pregnant mares, you just learn, it's pretty much the same basic concept yeah I took um when I was in college for the equine um veterinary assistant veterinary technician um degree that I have one of my absolute favorite things to do was I had a repro course it was about a year and I fold and bred um several mares and it the many a nights of staying up sucked <laughs> but the risk was definitely worth the reward in the end. And I look back at my memories every couple of years and I'll see those foals. And I'm like, man, I wonder where they are now. 
I wonder, I wonder too. Um, I know that one, one filly that was at the farm when I was at Trackside Farm has, has gone on to do something. It was Toby's Heart. Uh, she's a multiple graded stakes winner. Wow. So I, 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 she was a yearling. Yeah, she was a, she was a yearling filly when I was there. And uh, I know that she's gone on to have a really good career. Um, some of the other ones I'm not 100% sure about uh, because I'm too lazy to do the research. <laughs> I always, because we were, because Grand Head Vista used to break their own babies and all that. Uh-huh. And when we used to do the yearling stuff and all that, uh, breaking the yearlings and all that, I used to be like, I brought you into this world. I can help you do something else with it if you do not break right. It's just that easy. <laughs> it's like, it's like you're just gonna be a, you're just gonna end up in the paddock the rest of the year because you just do not want to be a racehorse. Just act I do, right. I, I do my own, I do my own checking, my my fact checking, and this is number two time I was wrong. Second time I was wrong, Toby's heart, multiple graded stakes placed. Multiple graded stakes placed. She's a black type winner. She she won. The uh, TVG Limestone Turf Sprint Stakes at Keeneland, and she won the Nelson's Greenbrier Whiskey Music City Stakes at Kentucky Downs, but neither of those were graded. So she's a multiple gra- multiple stakes winner, multiple graded stakes place. I, I apologize to all of the listeners who who expect 100% factual information on the GOA, GOAT Zoom. Um. <laughs> The limestone yeah, was just run a, last week. Yeah. Yeah, she must have. I think she won a couple of years ago. She did. She won it in. She won it last year, twenty twenty one. Okay. Um. Here's a fun fact. Uh, I've known Caitlin a very, very long time. We actually, I think we met from uh, writing for a uh, now defunct website. Correct. Uh, crazy person. Well, I didn't say anything of the sort. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I was going to say, I, I kind of knew you before that, though. Yeah. I, I bet I've known you for every bit of 10 years almost. Yeah, I would say about, about 10 years. I have spent, like she was underage, is what you're talking about. I was not underage. <laughs> she was not underage. Years ago. Oh, yeah, I guess I mean I was. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I have spent, Aaron Hayes from Detroit is probably the person I've spent the most time with at racetracks from Twitter. Uh, just because we, you know, we lived in Detroit at the same time and we were mm-hmm. at uh, Hazel Park a lot. But I think out of all of horse racing Twitter, the person I've spent the most time with at, at, at any racetrack is Caitlin at Keeneland. I think we spent many, many days um, just hanging out at Keeneland. And, oh, yeah. Um, spent days at the sales, all sales, kinds of stuff. All, all that kind of stuff. So, like, uh, you know, she and I go, go, go way back. Ten, it's been about 10 years, huh? Tell me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Tell me, tell me it, it isn't like, the easiest thing in the world to just deal with Caitlin, right? Oh, I think I told her one of the very first times I ever met her, I said, I said, uh, you know, you're very easy to get along with and uh, you and I'll be friends for a very long time. Do you remember that? Yeah. And it's funny because I'm not easy to get along with. (laughs) You're lying. (laughs) I'm so glad people think that because I feel like my boyfriend would 100% beg to differ. Well, I mean, Hey, (laughs) which one beggars can't be choosers. <gasps> oh andy you should not say that we're, we're talking about the special k <laughs> in her life too. <laughs> kidding um, <clears throat> what 
so so the pandemic obviously took a lot out of everybody right yeah it was like, even not like, well even like uh like the whole time during the pandemic i'm like okay i gotta put a podcast together how am i gonna do it what am i gonna do i can't do it by myself i need somebody who has a little bit more charisma than me um and then i'm like scouring and i'm like hmm caitlin's back in ohio maybe i'll just reach out to her and go hey you want to do a podcast um what made you go to go to vegas well this is my second stint here i lived here okay so long story well it's not going to be short but long story when I was growing up in Toledo, Ohio, or Sylvania, Ohio, a little suburb of Toledo, my dad always told me that when I turned 21, he was going to take me to Las Vegas, and we were going to have a, you know, a nice adult weekend in Las Vegas, gambling and playing the horses and playing, you know, blackjack and all that kind of fun stuff. Well, funny story, they moved to Las Vegas before I turned 21. I was a freshman in college at Bowling Green State University when they moved to Vegas, and I visited here one time no my very first time that I came to Vegas I was 21 and I was like I'm not gonna leave because I had a girlfriend at Bowling Green and god forbid can't ever have another girlfriend so I was like there's no way I'm moving to Las Vegas I came out here on my 21st birthday and I think I won like 500 or 600 dollars playing blackjack for for the weekend that I was here with my dad and I was like peace out <laughs> I'm, I'm out I'm gonna move to Las Vegas and this is so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a millionaire uh, you know, if I made $500 in a weekend, let's extrapolate that and figure out how much money I'll make over a year. Well, uh, obviously that, that didn't work out. So I lived here for about six years, went to college at UNLV uh, for a while. I don't remember actually going to classes, but uh, I remember I was enrolled, but uh, <laughs> I moved back. I moved back to the Midwest. And when I left Michigan to move, originally it was Indiana. That was the, the, the um, location we were going to move to, or I was going to move to Indiana and we were going to take over a, uh, a horse racing magazine. Uh, and then it didn't work out. So I moved to Kentucky. And then when I moved to Kentucky, I went immediately to Lexington. And when I was in Lexington, like I said, I had a good time working at Keeneland and I had a good time working at Thoroughbred Farm, but it wasn't getting the job done. And then I got offered a job at a soon to be opened um, place that I thought was going to be the greatest thing in the history of the world and I was super excited for it and I said yes and I moved to Louisville and I got a job and this is what I learned um, over the years is be careful who you trust and number mm -hmm. two you can't do every job in the world there's some things that you're, you're you're made for and there's some things you're not made for and I took a job that I was woefully and I mean woefully um, unprepared, unqualified for, and I did terribly. I, I was absolutely horrible at my job and I got let go and I, I don't blame them for it, but my dreams were dashed um, because I thought it was going to be something that was going to be awesome, but uh, it didn't work out. And luckily, um, luckily Mark Midland at, at Horse Racing Nation, um, I, I reached out to them and, and I got a job there and, and it worked out, but because of the pandemic, and because of everything that was going on and just things weren't, things weren't working out, um, I needed to move back to Las Vegas. And uh, I didn't do it because I wanted to. I did it because I had to. Um, I have a base here. I have my whole family lives out here. And, uh, you know, I, I basically came here with my tail between my legs. And it's taken me uh, since July of 20, 2020. It's taken me from then till now to basically uh, get out of the rut that I was in. So. I'm excited. If you've been following me on Twitter for any amount of time, you know that I used to always tweet about horse races and always tweet about 
Um, I like this play and this is my pick four and this is that blah, blah, blah. Over the last couple of years, I haven't really been doing it because, uh, you know, money's been tight and um, I just haven't been playing as much as possible. So I hope that by the time Saratoga runs around this year, I hope things will be different and I'd like to get back into the public handicapping. Public handicapping is just so tough. It's yeah, it is, but it's fun. It's fun because I, lo I love when you put, you put your, uh, your picks out there and some of them do well and some of them do terrible and nobody says anything about the ones that do well, but they all complain about the ones that lose. <laughs> like, dude, you were gonna, if, you, if you were going to lose, I mean, you were going to lose no matter, no matter what. So, you know, don't blame me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a man. I know that if I, if I bet something on a, on, a, on a horse race, I know that there's a really good chance that it's not going to win. And I'm not going to sit there and complain about it and cry about it. But, uh, you know, when you're a public handicapper, people really love to tell you you did a bad job. That being said, um, there was one meet at Keeneland where I just focused on the last race, like the very last race of every day at Keeneland. You remember that. I was on fire. I was on, I mean, the best I've ever done, ever. I was on fire. I, I want to say that there were 19 race dates, and I think I won eight of the 19 races. Do you remember that, Caitlin? I do. He used to self-effacingly say, oh, well, you know what? Don't bet the first eight races or don't bet the first seven races. Just bet my last race, and yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I was on fire like on the, the finale. The Keeneland, it was called the Get Out Special or the something or other special. Yeah. Day. But I, I, it was by far the best I ever did. And, I, and it lasted for the entire meet. The entire meet, the last race, I was just on fire. And it's never been replicated since. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the get out special. Yeah, it was, it was something like that. But, uh, you know, I've been playing in, like, you know, contests and all that kind of fun stuff. Sometimes I do well. Sometimes I win by 20 cents. Um, sometimes I lose. But uh, I think those 20 cent wins over uh, other people in the league are the most gratifying. Oh my God, I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> I'm surprised Caitlin's still on. <laughs> still here. Yeah, next. Hey, are we, we going to talk derby? Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's sure. definitely move on. Who do you guys like? To... Who do you guys like? Uh, <laughs> honestly, this is such like, I, I've said this to so many people. This is such like a topsy turvy year that. I've got like my A's, my B's, my C's and my D's, but I really need to one, look at them in person the week before week of look at some works, look at some gallops too. I need to see the uh, draw, but I think, you know, after analyzing so many things, and I know some people are like, don't second guess yourself. Don't second guess yourself. There's so many times where you can feel like, you know, you learn too much or, you know, too much. And really it's a lot more simple. I don't think it's like that this year. But I keep going back to the same horse, no matter how much I learn about the others. And that for me is going to be epicenter. Um, I, have, I have no, no complaints with epicenter. I think the, the price might be a little low with the 20 horse field, but uh, he's what? I think some two? people are horse racing is so much of what have you done for me lately game. I'm mm -hmm. hoping maybe enough time has passed since he's raced that everybody's, you know, infatuated with Zandon or Taiba or somebody else, which there's nothing wrong with either oh. one of those horses. But I'm just thinking, you know, when you think about the trip, um, Epicenter is much more versatile than either one of those horses. Um, I, and he's a horse that I would trust in a 20 horse field 
if that makes sense. She's not, he's not easily spooked. You're saying he's not easily like, no, he's, he's either. I, I think he could work out a variety of different trips because I think, you know, he can be on the front end. He can be mid pack. And I think he could even potentially be a little bit back farther than that. He can rate. Whereas Zandon, I'm a little bit concerned could be compromised with traffic because he was much the best in the bluegrass. I won't deny that. That was an impressive effort, but he still found traffic in a 10 horse field. What are you going to do when you add 10 more horses? Right. right. And Tyba, Tyba is a very talented horse. Whoever trains the horse or not, like, I'll kind of just blank that for now. But to do that and beat these horses in your third start, traveling, getting in a field of 20 horses. He was basically in a match race with Messier last time yep. out because Forbidden Kingdom had um, throat issue. I believe he flipped a pallet. And the other horses in that race are, were not even close to that quality. So he was only racing against Messier. He had only one horse to beat that day. Well, he's got 19. So... <laughs> I'm going to draw a line through him as of now for the Derby, unless there's something that really jumps out at me about him. But uh, Epicenter is just the one that I keep coming back to. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I don't see anything ter- terribly wrong with that. I just wonder what the uh, morning line is going to be and what the, I agree with you that people have probably will probably uh, move on from the flavor of the day from him. I'm just mm-hmm. wondering what kind of, I'm wondering what kind of price, what, what kind of price that he would be? I think, I think personally that you, I personally throw away trainer records when it comes to Derby, right? It's, it's a crapshoot. There's, I mean, Trail. Chip, uh, what is it? Chip Woolley won a Derby, right? Right. So you can't, you can't sit there and sit and say, oh, you know what? Uh, Asmussen's 0 for 19. Right or kind of like in NASCAR when they're like Tony Stewart never won the Daytona five Daytona five hundred. Well, yeah, it's like the most chaotic race ever. Like you could get there's nothing else like really it. early. There's nothing else you could say about it. So I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and throw that out. Like I'm done. I, I can't mm-hmm. can't use that. What I will say is this though. I think I think if anybody can screw up a horse and lose it'll be tim yakti <laughs> right he's he's gonna have this horse longer than he needs than he should have it and as much as i am fully believing that he's getting orders from somebody else on how to train this horse mm-hmm. i just don't I, I just too many people are going to be betting it the horse will probably go off at five to two, three to one. And I'm talking about Tepa. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get epicenter five to one, a four to one, five to one. And mm-hmm. I'll take four to one, five to one on epicenter if that's. Oh, hell yeah. But I also think that if you're going to, if you're going to look at somebody who's been there before, you got to look at Pletcher. Yep. Right. Because Todd knows what he's doing. And as much as that Florida Derby race for charge, it was kind of like oh he's green oh he's this i guarantee you i guarantee you he's gonna change he's gonna make sure that that horse understands that it's okay to get dirt kicked in his face it's okay to be on the rail it's okay to do that that horse is gonna grow up a lot in in, this six weeks he's actually my second choice 
in this race to piggyback off what you're saying him and epicenter are the two that I'm really looking forward to and really want to use. And then I would probably, you know, throw in a Zandon type of horse. I'm interested in some long shots as well to fill in underneath, because I think, you know, you'll have two, you know, of your more favoritism based prices. You'll probably have a middle price. And I can see a horse like Tawny Porter, like if Pioneer Medina got in or somebody like that coming in for like fourth or third. So that's really the horse that I'm looking for, but not to like, try to steal it from you, Andy, or anything. But when you said charge it, I just got really excited because I'm like, oh, I really love charge it in this race too. Yeah, I, I learned a few years ago that I still got to go back and look at race replays again for the Derby yeah. to see if there's something that I missed. Um, thank God I did that a few years ago with Country House or else I never would have been on top of that horse. Um, but then again, that was the first time in 30 plus years I had picked the winner of the Derby. Well, I remember I went to the morning works for about two weeks that year because I just thought Omaha Beach was like the greatest thing since sliced bread and I wanted to see him. Omaha Beach obviously stuck out because he was the best horse in that race. I mean, unfortunate what happened, but there was one other horse and I even tweeted about it. Like I have the proof that I said it. Country House was the best looking horse on the ground almost. So, what you <laughs> well, I, I was working at Keeneland um, in 2019 when the uh, when that Derby went off, and I was in a little little shack in the parking lot uh, taking drive up bets the whole entire time. And I remember that day that I didn't take a whole lot of bets on Country House, um, but since that race has ended and the disqualification happened, I've talk to about 7,000 people who had country house. So it's funny. It's funny the way that that works. Um, I, in this race, I, okay. I, like I said earlier, I've been wrong a lot of times, a lot of times I've been wrong and I was wrong. I tweeted something out before the wood Memorial bluegrass stakes and Santa Anita Derby that the bluegrass was looking great. The uh, wood was looking okay-ish. And then there was the Santa Anita Derby. And I took a little flack on that because people are like, hey, the best two three-year-olds in the country are racing in that race. Um, they, they didn't have the right two, but they ended up being right. The Santa Anita Derby, although it was a small field, what was it, five? It was so, five or six. Okay. It doesn't matter. You were right earlier, Caitlin, when you said it was a match race. Um, the horse that won is a monster. Taba is a monster. I know who's training it now. I know who trained it previously. I don't have to rehash my feelings about the other uh trainer uh i think he belongs behind bars so we'll leave it at that but that race i think the horse that lost has a better chance of winning in the derby than the horse that won i think messier um with his uh i think he needs i think he needs more ground i know that he, it didn't look like it against tabo but tabo is a just a, like i said a monster i think messier has a good chance so the other yak team might be a good angle in the uh in the derby i haven't decided who i really want to go with yet because obviously we have to do the draw we have to see who's in right. see who the jocks are we have to see what the weather is going to be like all that kind of fun stuff but the horses that I'm interested in, who I think will be a decent price, I think Messier will be a nice price because of the fact that he got beat by that monster. Oh, I think um, 
I like Zandon myself. It's the horse that I've liked all along through the spring. Um, I think his races have been well spaced out. Um, he won on a good track at uh, Churchill Downs. And uh, I've been on him, like I said, for, for quite some time. Um, it's gonna, he's he's going to be trip dependent. It's going to depend on his, his uh, post, I do, I do believe. But the horse that I'm most interested right now, Andy talked about going with Pletcher. I'm with another Pletcher, Mo Donegal. Okay. I think this horse is going to love getting more distance. I really believe that his racing style will be perfect for the um, first Saturday in May. He's not going to be at the very front. He's not going to be raiding, but he's going to be at the front of the mid pack. You don't want to be too far back in the mid pack coming into the first turn on the Kentucky Derby. You can't win on the first turn, but you can definitely lose. And I think this is a horse who's depending on as long as he doesn't get the far inside or the very far outside post, I think his trip is going to be a little bit more bomb proof. I really like Mo Donegal and I'm going to get at least 25 to one on him. You think? I think 20, I think, I think he'll probably be 20 to one on the morning line. And I think I'll get oh even my higher. Gosh. It's the wood. He won the wood Memorial. When's the last time a wood True. Memorial horse won anything? funny side probably it's been a long time it's been a, a long, long time God. it's been a very long time but i'm pretty high on mo donegal of course saying this he's going to draw the one hole of course um but i don't have any futures bets like i normally have um i don't have i have literally nothing going into the to this race but i'm very interested in mo donegal zandon and messier those are the three that i'm i'm most looking at and let's give a little hat tip to our guy ed DeRosa. Oh, absolutely. Uh, tis what? the bomb. And I know, Caitlin, you've said something about uh, Tis the bomb because you've seen him race up, up front and close and personal. Is that how you say that? Up close and personal. He's well, had two stinkers. Know. Yeah. He's had, he, <laughs> One... he... Sorry, I don't mean No, no, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I was going to say the reason, you know, I've talked so much about Tis the bomb going back to Derby Futures is mm-hmm. I placed three Derby Futures this year. One for my boyfriend, one for his brother, and one for me. Two of those horses are in the starting gate. One of them is Tis the Bomb. So my boyfriend is like gung-ho. Who He's actually learned a lot about horse racing and has really gotten into it, has really studied the form from top to bottom. I'm really, really proud of him, but I'm telling you what, he's going to be a rich man if that horse wins the (laughs) But I chose – I placed these – um, futures in pool one. Mm-hmm. So I've had these for about six months or more. Wow. Um, Cyberknife was the one that I have. And I love Cyberknife. I think he's an extremely talented Colt, but I think he's also extremely immature. I've talked to Brad Cox about him multiple times. The horse, um, uh, he's crazy. Like <laughs> in, a good, in a good and a bad way, he's just so high strung. <laughs> I've dated um, people like that. do I think he has the ability to win a derby I do but I think his attitude problems and I think just the way he's wired is going to prevent him from winning a derby with you know the roar of 120,000 and you know the paddock and stuff I think he's going to boil over Mm -hmm. um so I'm not super happy with that bet but um I did a handshake at a thousand to one that tis the bomb won't win the derby so nice you're going to look really stupid when he does. Right. Yeah, but your, your boyfriend can pay that handshake bet. Uh, no, it was to him. Oh, great. 
Right. <laughs> I thought you said he was learning. <laughs> well, I, I well, I kind of basically told him like you don't have to pay me anything if he loses but i'll pay right. you if he wins because that's how, sure. how confident i am that's not right. gonna happen here's my here's my knock on Cyberknife. um he will probably be forwardly placed depending on uh, obviously where, where he draws but his late pace figures on equibase are so far behind some of the other top contenders and yeah. i'm not 100 percent sure i'm not 100 percent sure at equibase well because I, i'm an equal opportunity guy i i use timeform us I use Equibase, I use Thurograph, and every now and then I'll even use some DRF because everybody needs to know what the buyer speed figures are. Oh, no, you don't. When you, when you, when you write articles and things like that, a lot of times oh, you use the buyer. Oh, I don't know anything about writing yeah. articles. Yeah. So anywho, um, <laughs> I got no, nothing against the Arkansas Derby winner uh, in a, uh, by himself. But I, I just think that his late pace numbers, he's going to have to get out front, get a good trip. And if he can get the uh, added distance, then I think he's got a good, good chance of winning. Um, I just, the other horses I like, I think will be a higher price. And that, that's where I'm going. Are there any horses you guys think have no chance whatsoever? Like absolutely no shot. I have to look back through the list. I know there's people knocking on crown pride. Um, well, do no, I think Crown Pride? One, there's one person knocking on Crown Pride. Not the same person we just very talked true. about. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very so, true. But um, how, do how, I think often, how often has he been wrong? I was, I was going to say, you know, do I think Crown Pride's going to win the Derby? No. But I do think, you know, there's a chance he could get a piece of it um, and love people to death but um after what we've seen from japan the past year in international racing i think it would be very very foolish to discount that horse in any stretch of the imagination i'm, I'm in agreement with that i mean if if japan hadn't had the and let's not even go the year it's been it's been almost like what like 15 months of them just coming over to different countries and just taking everything that Mm -hmm. that is prestigious to that country so yep. it surprise it wouldn't surprise me if crown pride won i mean they're going to win a derby in the next 10 years yeah because of the breed because of the breeding programs right yeah and just how just how they handle these horses and you know I'll, people I'll can you, i'll tell you who i don't think i'm i think i think there are a few horses that i don't think are gonna are gonna flat out win and uh one of them is tawny port I just, I just can't see a horse getting wheeled back in nearly a month to win the Derby anymore. I just can't. Right. Uh, Barber Road and Una Hope. Right. Those are the three horses that, that right now I just do not see. Even they may, they may pick up fourth or fifth, but I don't see them in the top three. And with that said, they're probably going to end up winning. One of those are going to end up winning. <laughs> I'll tell you one that I think that I've completely drawn a line through is why to Barrio actually. Um, so John White does his Derby strike system. Are we, are we familiar with John White's Derby strike system? Yes. There's a bunch of different, there's, there's a bunch of different categories and some horses that have, a lot of the horses who won the Kentucky Derby had zero strikes against them. A few of them have had one strike against them maybe one or two have had two and only one horse has had more than one or more than two. And um, 
I think we talked about Chip earlier winning with Mind That Bird. I think he was the one. But White Abario is one of the horses on that list that has zero strikes. Of those horses, Crown Pride, Cyberknife, Epicenter, Tis the Bomb, White Abario is in Zandon. I think White Abario is the least likely winner um, of those of those horses. So I agree with you 100%, Caitlin, that probably the chance like- of that one winning, no. I just, I'm not sure what it is. I think he's benefited from stuff collapsing in the Florida races. I'm not quite sure what he's beating down there um, because I drew a complete line through the fountain of youth. Absolutely not. That race was for obvious reasons thrown on its head. Um, and I think he inherited some things in the Florida Derby. I don't think Emmanuel is as good as everybody thought he was. Um, and I don't think simplification is as good as everybody thought he was either. So I definitely don't think he was beating much down there. I think he's going to be exposed in a race like the Kentucky Derby. Um, I do think Safi Joseph is headed in the right direction. Could, you know, definitely be the type of up and comer, you know, the way like Brad Cox is young, but starting to get more experience. I definitely see him as having a big future and having a Derby course. I just don't think it's this one. Um, I'm in the same same uh, ballpark as you. If you don't like the horse that won the Florida Derby, you probably shouldn't like the horse that finished third. Simplification. That's my easy yeah. toss. That's my easy toss horse. Yeah, I, I'm gonna gonna get rid of both of them. I like Tony Port underneath as a type of a horse to maybe bomb in for third or fourth. Um, I just think he's super gritty. He's better on the dirt than he is on the synthetic. He ran a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky good race, and the Risen Star had all kinds of trouble. And um, he was beat by about six lengths by Epicenter, but he did a lot to recover, came back, did all the dirty work in the Jeff Ruby, and then came back and won the Lexington. It's probably too much too soon for him to be, you know, anywhere in the top three, I would say, for the Kentucky Derby. But he's the type of horse that I think is really going to learn and get better. And he, um, I talked to Brad Cox, and the horse learns very quickly, he said. And he thinks he's really improved since getting back on the dirt. So he's one that I will use in my super but win candidate um probably not i think there's a lot that you could say aren't win candidates there's probably maybe five six seven that i think could win the race which is a lot more than usual but there's you know a handful of them that i'm like okay i don't think this horse can win the derby but do i think they can get a piece of it Mm, yes what about what about zozos you think zozos can get a piece i'm leaning toward no with that one that was kind of in my like c or d category right now right. but the thing is i'll be completely honest with you i don't know a lot about zozos um he'd be one that i would have to see kind of like train in the morning and learn more about him you know ask the trainer ask the exercise writer ask the jockey i i just i don't know a lot about him yeah yeah, just looking, have, yeah go ahead go ahead andy sorry i i have to i i just i just the funny thing is, is that I always, I always get like different, like there's only a couple things I'll do for Derby week when like pre-Derby week, right? It's like, I'll listen to everybody talk and then I'll throw everything out that everybody says, because I think I'm always <laughs> right, which is always fun. Um, but I, I, I was a big Zozos fan two races back. And then I was like, nope, no more. I just just something about him just doesn't scream derby horse. Yeah. Again, I'll say it again. Now that I've just completely thrown him out, um, he might win. <laughs> I feel Summer the same is way about too- happy, happy Jack. 
Yeah, <laughs> Happy Jack, yeah. Summer is Tomorrow. Those two are ones that I think you can easily draw a line through. Can, can we all talk about the Mattress Mac um, <laughs> jinx? Uh, who's he putting? Has he said who he's putting on? I didn't read the article. I just saw it trending. He said and $3, I, million, $3 million on Epicenter. And <laughs> um, money on Smile Happy. <clears throat> he's got some futures bets. He's got a lot of futures bets on Smile Happy by Run Happy, obviously, who ran medication free in case nobody knew. I, I Smile Happy, I think, has a chance to come in underneath. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. But too too far. I think this is. I think this distance is going to. I think the final furlong is going to hit him right between the eyes. You know the fu the funny thing that the funny thing that I find is that you know a lot of people were laughing at at Run Happy when he first because of all probably because of all the advertising, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but you can't. Because he ran medication free, you couldn't hide his talent, right? No, and he was and extremely sound too. He's the and type of horse I would want to breed too. Yeah, not not when he was young. He wasn't the the not no, when him, he when he was young. Yeah. He wasn't. That's why nobody bought him, and that's why my bloodstock agents, <laughs> uh, Pete and and Carrie, they said this is the horse you want. He, they made the recommendation um, for for them to buy the horse, and they bought the horse, and the rest is history. But when he was first, uh, I think what he had chips, he had knee chips or something, or he had to have some kind oh, of ankle he, he surgery. He was a mess as a yearling. He was a, yeah, he was, he was a mess as a yearling. And they said, listen, he's going to get past all of these things. He's going to be a, a monster. And they were 100% right. And they were, they were absolutely right. They hit a home run with Run Happy. Well, speaking of the two of them, some of my absolute favorite people in the industry, yes. now that we're talking about stuff with the Derby, my favorite, favorite tool along with visual eyes on the track is their herd dynamics tool. Yes. The only time that the Derby winner has not came out of the top two or three mm -hmm. since they've done started doing it in 2011, they've had long shots. Yes. They had a kingdom. They had a couple other ones. The only two anomalies were Country House and Medina Spirit. And I believe I want to say that um, Mandaloon was very high on the list. I think he was one or two. So. When you take those two out, obviously, obvious reasons, mm -hmm. um, they're perfect. Yeah. They're perfect. Yep. Well, you know who you know who else is really good, and um, he goes under the radar, but Ryan Dickey knows him. <laughs> I know uh, everybody. In case in case you're listening, I know just about everybody in horse racing. Uh, world. Scott Calabrese. Yes. Uh, close to call. Yep. He is one of the. He, he he doesn't do much handicapping. He only follows the Derby. And, I mean, Ryan wrote a story on him where he, what, what he went, like 200-something on the Superfecta one year? He hit the Superfecta. I can't remember exactly how much it was. But if you want to look back to the old Horse Racing Nation um, Big just... Hits series, we can find it. Yeah, he hit, he hit the Superfecta, and he made bank. Bank. And all he does, he does everything. All he does is do uh, feet per second for the Derby. Yeah, that's all mm -hmm. he does. And he's got it down to the science to where he just looks at it, and goes, 
these are these are the horses I'm going to put first. These are the horses I'm going to put second. These are the horses I'm going to put third. These are the horses I'm going to put fourth. And then that's how he plays it. And he'll play a thousand dollars worth of tickets. I remember Honestly. when I talked to him. I remember when I talked to him. He said that it was a it was still a work in progress. He said he was super happy with the results, obviously, but he said that it was getting better and better. So like, if he puts out anything. Uh, before the derby of like who he thinks is going to show up in the super effect. And it's a horse that you have no intention of playing. You better add that to your ticket or, or yeah. shame on you. All right. Sorry. Um, $76,000 I, I was... by the way, yeah. he just, he just texted me. 76. I, I was going to say, you know, that's really, and I've learned that in the past couple of years, that's the only way you can play the derby and make money is if you're looking to do trifectas or supers. I have a, uh, a fun thing that I do every year for the Kentucky Derby and hopefully I'll be able to do it this year. I always play the pick. I always play the pick four going into the Derby, but I use all in the Derby and then I have one single. So somewhere in that, the first three races before the Derby, I have to pick a single and that horse has to win. Mm -hmm. And then I pick three in one race and four in another race. And when there's 20 Derby runners, it comes out to be a $120 ticket. Um, I've done it every year since probably 2000 and maybe 14 or maybe 15. And I've only hit it once, but, um, I, I, I would have, I would have made lots of money in two of the years that would hit, but the only year I ever won it was, was California Chrome. And of course I had the all and Chrome was the favorite. <laughs> but uh, I love playing. I love playing that because it basically comes down to is can you pick one winner in one of the three races before the Derby? And if so, if you can make it with the other two, two legs, you know, you're going to win. And it, and it always pays well. There was, yeah. one, there was one year that God must've been, I want to say like 11 years ago, Derby, 12 years ago. Um, I had, I had Ben's cat as my <laughs> single in the turf stakes and he paid huge to win. And because he, he was my single, it was easier to just like do the pick five and pick four. And I think, I think I hammered it for a good amount of money. And I was just like, well, that, that, that pretty much paid for the year. Right. It's like, it just takes one year to make it worth your while to play the next year and the next year and the next year right i have a fun ben cat story ben's cat okay. story did he bite i you? love that horse hey, wait what were you saying andy did he bite you he did not bite me but here's the story i was hammered at pimlico just ridiculously we had a really good time um made my way into the winner circle um before the race started and then the race ended and it was i think the mckay turf sprint ben's cat won and as they were bringing him into the into the uh winner circle i got in the way and ben's cat stepped right on my foot <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know i've had three or four horses step on my foot and it always hurts but this one for some reason didn't hurt as much but fun story is uh i was someplace where i didn't belong at the time and ben's cat stepped on my foot I think his birthday was the other day. Yeah. It was a sad, what, a sad, what a sad end to that story that was, huh? Yeah. yeah. What a very, it really was. Sad, it was a very sad thing. I feel terrible for the lady who, who decided to take him in because it wasn't her fault. I mean, when horses, when they travel, sometimes they, they colic and sometimes bad things happen to them. I don't remember the, the whole mechanization of what happened to him, but like he went to the farm and he died. 
and everyone was like, oh, I can't believe these people killed them. Like they, they didn't, I mean, horses die. Horses are very fragile. I think one thing that I've learned um, over the years is horses, they're, they're, they're smart, but they're also dumb. They will kill themselves if you give them a chance. Um, oh, but, but, sure. but they're very fragile, these, especially these thoroughbreds. They're very, very fragile creatures. And if everything doesn't go their way, they can go south in a minute. It was just sad. It, it was sad. Very sad uh, how things end for Ben's cat because he is a very big fan favorite in uh, Maryland. I mean, he was one of the best, you know, best runners to come out of Maryland in a long, long time. And I got a lot of respect for Ben's cat. RIP, buddy. So uh, we're winding down here uh, in the go Zoom room. Zoom room. What? <laughs> what? What are some of the what are some of the things that you would tell people when it comes to making their derby picks that are like pitfalls? Don't make them now. <laughs> don't do don't do what we just did. <laughs> <laughs> because what we just said right now, absolutely correct. There are opinions. You know, we have facts to back them up and everything. But once the draw happens. And we know who's going to be riding the horses and we've seen how they've done, uh, you know, working up to it. It all goes out the window. I've tried over the years to stop doing what I just did right now and talking about the horses that I like this far out, but like, you know, it's, it's dark day, dark day, Twitter. You got, you got to do something, but uh, I would say don't get married to a pick until after the draw. Absolutely do not. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, for sure. Like yeah. I still remember, a uh, buddy of mine, uh, Bobby Madrid, who who's a Baffert lover. Um, Hate him already. Yeah, he, he's a great guy, though. Uh, <laughs> he, he basically was all over looking at Lucky when he drew the rail. And I told him, I go, he ain't winning. He just isn't winning. He's going to break bad or something's going to happen. I go, but he'll win the, he'll win the Preakness. <laughs> and where, where did he finish in the Derby, Andy? I don't remember because I was laughing too hard because I was right. <laughs> uh, second, third, mm -hmm. second. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't win. I still was right. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Why did you have him? <laughs> you I did. loved him. I loved him. And then he fell. He, I loved him. And then uh, he, he, finished, the he, fin he finished sixth. By the way. Okay, thank you. Don't do that to me. Dude. Don't do that to me. I love I loved him too until and then he drew the rail and then I loved him less. And then I played him in my superfecta and uh he didn't get the job done. He stunk it up. Again, then what did he do in the preakness? Yeah, I played him in the preakness. And he won. And then he came back in Haskell, and what did he do? He won. Yeah. And then he ran in the Hoosier Park, Indiana Derby. Anyway. And he won. And then so, he ran in the Breeders' Cup Classic at Churchill Downs in 2010. Anyway. And he finished fourth. And that was the end of it for him. So let me ask you let, let me ask you a question. I know we were talking derby, but do you have any thoughts on the Oaks? Because the only reason I'm asking you is because I want to ask Caitlin too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is what I will tell you. I'm looking forward to the Oaks more than I am the Derby this year. I think that the cast of characters that are going to be going to the gate is the best all around that I've seen in 25 years of, of following this, this race. Um, I really don't know who's going to win. 
I have no, I have no idea. It's going to be obviously one of these big favorites, but I am very much looking forward to the Oaks this year. I think we're going to be in for quite a treat. I think there's going to be four horses, uh, maybe five that, that run here that are going to be considered some of the best fillies and mares to ever run. I absolutely agree with that. Um, like Ryan said, don't get married to a pick yet. And the Oaks has been a little bit harder for me than the Derby, I would say. Um, but I think I'm wanting to almost play another forgotten horse, kind of how I do like Epicenter in the Derby. I'm hoping, hoping, which I really like Nest and I really like what she did in the Ashland. She kind of reminds me of Malathot, if I'm being honest with you. And I really liked Malathot in the Oaks last year. Um, but I kind of want to do something different. I really really like secret oath in the Kentucky Oaks. And I'm hoping that I can get at least, you know, a decent price on her. I would take four or five to one, kind of like I would epicenter. It would be nice to get something even more. I think it's more like with her, likely with her than it is with epicenter. But I think she was the best horse in the Arkansas Derby. I think she could have beat these horses in the Derby. I, distance is not going to be a problem for her. Um, I'm hoping she didn't expend too much energy in that race. Cause you know, she got stopped she had traffic, but I think she ran the best race out of everybody in that race. And I think that's going to set her up and make her almost bomb proof to come into the Oaks, you know, if she's up for the task and she's not tired. So I think your Oaks, I think your Oaks Derby double is going to pay. I hope so. so. <laughs> Can I tell you a horse that I pray to God comes over and if I get 20, 25 to one, I'm going to better. I'm going to bet the crap out of Shahama if she's in there. <laughs> That's a lot of betting. <laughs> she hasn't had, she's only had a few works and we're, we're running short on time. Yeah, but she hasn't had any works here though, right? Has she? Yeah, she's had a couple. Who's with it? Who's got her? She's with, she's with Pletcher. Oh, is she with Pletcher? Uh-huh. Let me oh, see how many works she's had. So I'm I'm screwed then because I'm not going to get the price I thought I would. You'll still oh, get a decent you'll price. Get a, you're going to get a good price because, you know, Kathleen O and Echo Zulu and Secret Oath are all running here. They're going to take a lot of the money and nest even. Uh, this, this, I mean. Do you even know about Shahama, Ryan? <laughs> I've, I've only heard of her in passing. I haven't seen any of her races or anything. She's like had that, three works here. Three works she's had? Yeah, she's Where? due for another one. Um, I think in a couple of days. So she had like four, has she had them like seven to 10 days apart? They've all been six or seven days apart. Okay. She's going to run. I hope so. <laughs> if runs, yeah. She's a beast, man. I mean, she was so green in the UAE Oaks mm -hmm. that, I mean, she should have lost that race and she still inhaled them. She would have wiped the floor with them in the UAE Derby if they let her. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just shipped her out over here. Well, because I think, you know, they wanted to put her with Pletcher and they really want to win the Oaks, but she's absolutely the forgotten horse. Um, if I'm being honest with you, the one I think I don't really like is Kathleen O. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> That's the one I, just, I like the best. <laughs> I just really don't, I just really don't think she's beaten much and the horses in the races that she's won have not come out of to do very well. And of course you can, you know, take that with a grain of salt. She's a very talented filly. She does it very easily, but she's going to have her hands full. Do you know, do you know who Shahama's full brother is? Vicky? No, I have no idea. 
We were just talking about them. Well, we've been talking about a lot of horses. He, uh, he was your he was your pick for the Derby one time. Well, you ha you have to tell me because I'm, I'm oh we're looking at Lucky. Yep. Oh no, I did not know that. She's yeah. a smart. She's a smart strike. She's a Munnings. Oh, your Munnings. Yeah, she's my money. Oh, she's a half. She's a half then. Okay. Sorry, half. Okay. Right, no. I'm checking myself. I made a mistake. Yeah. Well, that's why I didn't know you threw me off, guy. Sorry. <laughs> you tricked me. You button hooked me. I didn't know you were gonna button hook me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Deshaun Watson passed there. Oops. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> on that note, I'm gonna cut that out um no don't we like it so any any other thoughts suggestions clues any of you guys have before we wrap it up for real this time no i think that about covers it yeah i think i think we covered it i just want to thank you guys for having me on and all that kind of fun stuff it's it's really fun talking about myself it's like my favorite subject <laughs> of all time um one thing i didn't talk about didn't mention was that uh, I have a little bit of a piece of a filly who's two years old and she's just getting ready to go to Mr. Glyshaw in his uh, barn at uh, Trackside in Louisville and Amazing. Her, name is, her name is Etruscan Gold and she's a Bucero baby out of a um, so it's quick not and Bucero, golden it's Bucero Bucero yeah so it's not Bucero well I guess you can say it either way I, I say Bucero um, okay I, I um, just Name it correctly. No, that's fine. I, I, I say Bucero, Bucero, tomato, tomato. Let's throw the whole thing off. <laughs> so that's um, part of the Iron Horse racing thing, right? Well, it was okay. So he is. He was an Iron Horse runner when he when he ran. Yes. Um, the 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 mare that we bought. Um, she was in full at the time to Etruscan Gold. We bought her, and this is something that. Uh, Alexa Zepp and I are doing together uh, under the haphazard racing umbrella. You're going to learn a lot more about haphazard racing coming up here real soon. Hint, hint. Um, but we have a filly who's getting ready to hit the track and uh, we're excited and um, her knees are just getting closed right now. So she hasn't done any speed training yet. She's done zero speed training because we don't believe in doing any of that until they're ready. Um, so she's probably not going to run until July or August, we would imagine. So we're going to miss the Churchill meet, which sucks because if you've looked at the um, condition book, the maiden special weight races this year are $120,000 purse. Jesus. Yep. Yeah. $120,000. Huh? How much of that do you get? Well, they use me <laughs> a lot for maidens and two-year-olds last year so i'm guessing that is going to be a huge portion of my job this year so i'm licking my lips there's going to be super good pedigrees um i, I honestly think it's probably going to be pretty special in, in in a in a perfect world she'd be ready fourth of july weekend um for the uh let's see what's what's the big race the last weekend of churchill is it the wise dan no no that's not for two-year-olds stephen foster Stephen Foster. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. It, it's, it's Stephen Foster weekend. It's the final weekend. Um, but uh, I, I believe there'll be plenty of uh, two-year-old maiden special weight races uh, that weekend. In a perfect oh, world, sure. she'd rate that race there, and then Caitlin could interview me in the paddock. How fun would that be? I would love to. That would be great, but I don't think she's gonna be ready by then. Bummer. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. we'll be back. We'll be back next week. 
um, while Caitlin's on vacation. <laughs> She'll just be calling from wherever she's at. No, I'm on vacation now. Well, she's on vacation right now. Oh, I thought maybe she'd she, like She spent it with us two, two uh, upstanding citizens. Yes. <laughs> so. Sorry, Caitlin. Where are you, Caitlin? Can you tell people where you are? Yeah, I'm actually down in Tennessee right now. Um, <laughs> my boyfriend and his family have a lake house, so I'm looking at the lake right now. Um, it's not as warm as we were expecting it to be. It's going to just barely get above 60 today, but it's supposed to be in the 80s and 70s the rest of the week. So hopefully you're going to get out on the boat, do some fishing, maybe, you know, do a couple other things. I think we're going to have a bonfire tonight. So, but we're going to be down here for a week and... This is the only podcast I'm doing this week, and um, I'm kind of wanting to take a break for horse racing this weekend. Literally yesterday, Kyle's like, "I need PPs for Keeneland this week," and I'm like, "I ain't doing that." So, but I Kyle, guess he's going to. Kyle, just shoot me a shoot me a text or a message, and I'll send them to you. I would say you guys can do that. <laughs> thanks for thanks for sacrificing some of your vacation time, Caitlin. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Well, hope, hopefully, you know, this week or next week, I would really like to, in a perfect world, um, use some of our podcast time to really do like a big derby show. If Andy and I can both have time for it and speak, you know, like individually about all 20 horses. Mm, okay. Well, I'm sure we can do that. And I'm sure we can bring people on that would be more than happy to. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I'm, I'm throwing my hat. I'm throwing my hat in right now. If you assign me a horse, I will do all my best uh, research on that horse. And I will, I will tell you what I know. Simplification. No, I'm kidding. God damn it. Andy. <laughs> God, not that one. <laughs> all righty. That's been the goat zoom room. Thank you, Ryan Dickey, Caitlin, have fun on your vacation. And uh, this will go out tomorrow after tomorrow. Uh, so it'll be Wednesday when you guys actually hear it. All right. Thanks Andy. No Amazing. problem, guys. Thanks. Have a good Thank one. You. Thanks.